I, I'm really excited that we're trying another kind of mode of like doing this and hopefully we won't have any alien alien abductions this episode. I don't know. I was kind of here for it, though. Like just invade because like <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. It's whatever. Um, it's uh, oh, I'm I'm so ready. I'm so ready for today's episode. Like I just I have thoughts and I have I'm I'm, I'm loving that you just watched the film like you had just watched the yes. 1988 film. Yes. And I don't know, like, it is now June 2nd. It is Pride Month. My sass is full on and, like, three times exponential what it should be. So oh. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. Oh, so here throw we go. all the shades. So so we might put an expletive tag on this, or are you just going to bleep everything out? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to keep bleeping you out, and we're going to see what happens. Okay. Well, I've told myself that I can't say the F word, but, um, I mean, who knows? I'm Hey, go if ahead. PG-13 movies, you get, you know two shits and a f so i mean I, I but there i used it already so man whatever I'm sure great thanks more work for me yay more work in post well, well i think we should totally kick this off from, from the, the top from the top a five six seven I'll never get tired of that intro. Never. I don't know. And like, I'm trying to figure out when it needs to be changed or when I should change it, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Don't you dare change this intro music. Well, change it, like alter, like which musicals are like um, inserted in, you know? Like, well, I feel like there, you crafted so it. Musicals. Well, yeah, but you crafted it in such a beautiful way that it's just like, it naturally flows together. And so I feel like we should I'll, not don't mess I'll with a good thing. You, I can, I'll bet you I can, maybe this is season one intro. I can find a season two intro. Oh my gosh, because we're going to go, we're totally going to go for multiple. Oh. 70 seasons, Mary. You're going to be literally like in a walker and we're just going to like be continuing to do this. People are like, what's a podcast as they're like floating on their oh. hoverboards? I can yeah. only just pray and wish and hope that that's a thing. So as I'm like slamming my phone, it's fine. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to show notes for hairspray. Oh my gosh, you guys, I just, oh man. So from last week's episode, um, we, uh, my homework was that I was supposed to go and watch the source material, the 1988 film that is uh, directed by John Waters called hairspray. And I did. And oh my God, I have thoughts. <laughs> was it just as bad that it was good as I said? 100%. It was literally like, I mean, it was everything a John Waters movie should be giving. It was the, the exact energy that a family friendly quote John Waters movie is. And it, it was, I mean, it gave me such like crybaby like feels because it, yeah, it's oh, so campy that it's fully. just. It spoke to every cockle of my heart and plucked every heartstring. And I was just like, Ricky, like, I texted Steven at one point during, cause he's like, I need like uh, live updates, like real time. And I was like, Steven, can I just be Ricky Lake? And he's like, absolutely. Please be Ricky Lake. I was like, yes. So good. <sighs> well, you, you kind of had a little, um, little hard on for Corny Collins. <sighs> Um, yes, I'm not even going to deny it. It was like, okay, no, he was given major daddy energy and I'm just, yes, yes, it was so good. Perfect. Okay. So 
Now, uh, show notes. Uh, so we're going to go into sort of notes from the director, things that maybe we need to correct, things that we need to follow up on, things that maybe we didn't talk about. Um, so notes from the director. So uh, I initially had um, maybe just something, maybe more things to add. Yeah. Uh, so I had given uh, props to Chicago uh, for, you know, winning lots and lots of Oscars yes. to help this. Yeah. Uh, I also forgot to mention that Moulin Rouge was also a oh, major yeah. game player oh, absolutely. in this time and era. Yeah. So like I was like, oh yeah, this was something that uh, also sort of spurred it on. So people were like, oh, maybe musicals are actually relevant. Yes. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe they're relevant. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Um, something else I had thought, cause I had remember saying like, Oh, all through the decade of the nineties, like, uh, Broadway had kind of slowed down. There wasn't as many new major hits and it wasn't as vibrant and alive. Um, not to bring up another hard topic as always, but the, uh, the AIDS crisis, yes. uh, decimated Broadway for yes. an entire decade and I that that should be spoken of anytime you talk about 90s Broadway yes. and I, I, I'm a big gay for for not doing that immediately but I need to help that uh so I'm fixing that now uh yeah Broadway had a little little heart of a stint right uh right there the shine left a little bit because yeah. so many of the back behind the scenes people and the people who you know go there every night to do eight shows a week uh we're yeah. just not there anymore no so. Yeah, thank you, Reagan. Anyway, uh, um, yay, yeah. Reagan era politics. Um, ah. Oh, man. But um, yeah, so I just wanted to throw that out there too, like as an add-on um, to what that was. Yeah. Um, I also said there maybe wasn't any queer references in, in things that we do uh, as far as does this show show this sort of side of yeah. life. Queer references. And I... Um, this show does uh, uh, in one line that I can remember that Link has, um, and it's right before uh, Tracy actually tries to audition to be on the Corny Collins show on yeah. the stage version. And he he has this line of of something like he's talking to his group of boys Collins dancers, <laughs> and um, they he as he's Tracy and. Penny or, you know, on set, just like living their best life that they're on the Corny Collins set yes. and Link backs away from them, uh, the the group of guys that are dancing. And he says, those girls were all over me. I don't know how Rock Hudson does it. And the whole joke is we mm -hmm. now know Rock Hudson was just in the closet throughout his Hollywood phase. But I don't know if it's maybe too like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, or like the gay is the butt of the joke. Sort of, so it's it's tre treading right. on that a little bit. Sure. Um, but uh, that was just one thing I thought maybe like, oh yeah, there is actually one <laughs> that I know of and Link said it, so. There is in fact one. There, there is one little sneaky one. And if you're not, if you're not looking for it, you'd, you'd miss it. Right, yeah. Um, and actually it's right before I can hear the bells and because he's backing away from his group of boys saying it, uh, he bumps into Tracy and it's like, sorry, little darling, didn't mean to dent your do or oh, hope I didn't dent your do or something. God. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of cute. Um, uh, I and just, yeah, uh, into, we, we never finished why I don't like, I can hear the bells. Um, and I've done a lot of soul searching since I've made such proclamations, but we'll get into that in a little while. But, the spilling um, the tea the, portion. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. The last major, um, 
not major, but a, a point maybe to bring up in notes from a director is like, I started explaining and saying something that I, I just want to clarify because I, I realize it can come across as like needy white boy or white boys don't Ooh. do anything. Well, yeah. Cause like I had had been, had been having these great conversations with my seaweed and, yeah. um, part of this whole thing, especially having learned over the last couple of years, like letting my, um, EOC friends, have have a voice and let them air their grievances and feelings and a lot of you know even my friends will ask it of their white friends to not make them do the work sure in teaching them and i just wanted to say you have to educate yourself first you have to try and figure out what your internal feelings are first before you come with any questions yeah, and say it is not up to our friends that are people of color to educate us. It is not their job. It is up to us to absolutely do the work yeah. and then come to them and say, Hey, this is what I, this is what I've heard. This is what I've learned. What do you think? And that's when you can start the conversation. And I don't think that came across really, really well sure. in how I was explaining it. And I sure. just wanted that to come come clear and also just be a good topic of conversation because it's sort of a theme in this show Yeah, to say, yes, if you, if you are a person, you need to come correct, right? You want to come with as many cards to play as possible. Right. But if you just go to your personal color friend and say, why, why do you, what, what is this? And you know, what, what am I doing wrong? Right. That isn't a conversation no. for them that they need to have with you. No. That is something um, they should pretty much just shut you down and be like, go, figure out what you're feeling inside and figure yourself out. And then let's have this talk is what they should tell you. Exactly. Um, Anyway, just wanted to clarify that, make a good point on that as well. Maybe so just a notes from a director. I love that. I have all of that. Beautiful. Anything that you can think of that maybe you, you want to bring up. Maybe that wasn't talked about on your side. Oh boy. Um, well, if I, uh, let me, let me be a good actor and, um, bring up my, my notes. Um, so I mean, I really, I guess the, um, from the last time, the couple things that I kind of talked about, um, one of the questions that you had asked me was, um, is there anything that, um, which I don't know if you want to address in a different segment, but, uh, the biggest question that I really walked away with was, um, was there anything that you would change about this show? Were there, were there weak points of the show? Um, and, uh, knowing, um, now the, the actual source material from where this comes from, um, I actually don't like the way that they changed what I perceive as a change to Link Larkin's character. I don't like that they made him in the musical. He he appears to be less confident in the support of the um, uh, uh, integration of television. Like... It, it the that's one of the major differences that I noticed between John Waters's film and then what you know again I'm I'm totally basing it off of the the film Art. of Hairspray but um it almost it to me it it just feels like it, the the musical version of Link is all show. And the 1988 version of Link was very like, he was just ready to kind of jump into the fray and just did the thing. 
that was uh, definitely something that I would change back. I would make Link more more just kind of ready to like be in the charge with Tracy and not be so reserved and so concerned kind of about his career. Um, and I, uh, also would remove, um, I'm actually with you on the train of removing timeless to me because in the 1988 version, we have none of that. Like, Mom Von Tussle, she doesn't, like, there's no sort of indication that she's trying to, you know, mess with the the Turnblad dynamic. So, like, she's she's never, like, hitting on Wilbur. So, like, there's no need for that song. Yeah, and I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, that was one thing I wanted to bring up maybe in, in Missed Notes was that whole Velma, Velma. and Wilbur. Sure falling in love storyline yeah. doesn't happen except in the 2007 film. Yeah. Like that whole interaction in the Hardy Har Hut um, does not happen yeah. anywhere. Um, and uh, so that was just added for whatever reason. I'm assuming because they had Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, <laughs> and, you, you, and you wanted to give her a little more something. Give her screen time. Just I mean, like I Alice love Jenny. Michelle Pfeiffer. Ooh, and actually this will be a hot thought. Grease 2, <gasps> better than Grease. And Grease 2 deserves to be an actual stage musical. Whoa, that is... Speaking of Miss Michelle Pfeiffer. (gasps) How dare you! (laughs) (laughs) Only because the music man looked at me and he was like holding his finger over the button like, do I press it? I'm like, oh, do it. Well, again, I'm a bad theater kid. I haven't seen Grease 2. So I, you know, I... uh, and I have so many things to show you. <gasps> I do. I We're going to do it. We're going to have all of it. The world. We please. might have to have a like, one-off of Grease 2 instead of Grease. Done. Done. And be like, this is not a stage musical, but this is what I would do with it on stage. Yes. <gasps> we can do an entire what if episode of how would you do this on stage? Ooh, okay. <gasps> Great. Oh my God. Done. Um, so yeah, those are my two yeah. main things. Those are the two things that I would change yeah. um, back from, from uh, source material. I really think it, it worked better the other way. So. Perfect. That's okay. Well, remind me, cause we'll, we'll go back to, Timeless to me, and then we'll segue that into I Can Hear the Bells. Okay. But let's get these three out of the way. Missed notes, right? Yes. So uh, opening number of Hairspray, I said at one point could have been the best opening number on Broadway. Yes. I did a deep dive into Google. I could not find the, like, ad or the award or the whatever that it said. Sure. However, I can only feel... Like it is backed up in theory because 99.9% of all top 10 opening Broadway numbers lists include Good Morning Baltimore, whereas the other nine are scattered. Sure. In fact, it seems to be in a major fight with, um, uh, oh God, of course, now it's out of my mind. Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof uh, tradition. Um, so I, I can't back that statement up, but what I can back it up with is I think 99.9 of all people who make top 10 lists of Broadway opening numbers agree with me. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, yeah. well, I mean, if you, and and this is nothing to really base anything off of, but like when you scroll through Spotify and you're looking for like, whenever I'm looking for something to get me in the mood for a musical, like I'm finding podcasts are like best of Broadway or best belting or things to belt in the shower or whatever. Good morning. Baltimore is always on each one yeah. of those playlists so it's like it's a good song it just sets a tone and it sets her everything it's so good pretty much as 
my coffee is like dripping slowly into my cup in the morning and I am like half awake. Yes. I'm thinking about like, I wish I had Tracy's like dumb <laughs> shit right now. And so like, yeah. Some on days. Bad day, I'll put on Good Morning Baltimore. Some days you need Just, the big hair Tracy energy. Hell yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, what was the other one? Oh, the female producer's name. Yes. Margot Lyon. Uh, it's, and then I read up a little bit as I was looking up her name. So it, there's two separate stories and I'm not sure which one's true. One is the she went down and rented hairspray. Sure. The other one was she was just looking through her old movies at home. Sure. So whichever one, I don't know. Either way, it doesn't really matter. But there's, um, there's an origin story there. Some origin story of her it's somewhere. flipping through yeah. some some films. Yeah. So. Um, but I think that's all the missed notes except for uh, I never followed up on I can hear the bells. So so let's so let's take this moment then and let's go from because you want to go from timeless to me into why you don't like I can hear the bells. So start with timeless sure. and then we'll move into bell ringing. Perfect. Okay. So. Um, I was, I, I won't say I was corrected, but I was given a snippet of, oh, what should I call it? Insight, maybe? Sure. Into maybe a little bit of Edna and how you view Edna. So as you pointed out, she is all woman, right? Sure. Normally played if we follow gender by a man playing an all woman, Correct. right? If we think about Edna, even as, and this can go into that queer representation again. Sure. As a trans woman. Yes. There suddenly becomes a little bit more weight into Timeless to me, where if Wilbur is on board with this. Oh. If Wilbur is like, no, honey, I still love you no matter what you weigh, no matter how you look, no matter who you are, you're timeless to me. Oh, and I kind of love that. If Edna gets played that way, I'm shook. That's crazy. Like I've right. never thought about that. What? No, and see, here's, here's the deep dive. I'm about to like come in, come in at you with. Oh yes. 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 If that is how timeless to me is intended. Totally valid. I suddenly, it becomes one of my top five numbers in the show. Wow. However, however, I don't think it is. Okay. I do not think that is necessarily the writer's intention. Maybe it's accidental. Maybe we, we can put that on it now in a modern reference. Sure. And it, can, and it can now mean that. Whether that was the intent when writing it, I don't think so. Right. I think... I think John Waters maybe had an intent with Divine because Divine was very gender fluid in that way with her her drag. When it transitioned into the stage version, we have Harvey Firestein, right? Mm -hmm. Who's an icon in of itself. He's a he's a very well known, openly gay man. Yeah. That with a with a distinct voice, much like Divine. Sure. Now getting to play Edna. However, I think kind of like that Rog Hudson joke maybe is a little tongue-in-cheek. I think Edna is supposed to be a little tongue-in-cheek, but um Sure. Like, we're not supposed to take her seriously. Even though she takes herself seriously, the show takes her seriously. We accept her as woman. Yeah. But there is always this sort of, like, underlying har-har 
about, oh, it's Harvey Firestein. Oh, it's it's a man in a dress. Sure. So I think there is a little camp there. I think there is always a little bit of whatever. So maybe I don't like it because. And like I was trying to deep dive into this being like, why do I hate this? Like, what is this? But I think it's because (laughs) it's not taken seriously. It's kind of always this underlying tone of joke. And therefore it feels not real. Sure. To me. Sure. So the second you like turn it and say, oh, Edna is a trans woman. I suddenly feel a little bit more of the real. I suddenly am like, oh, I'm willing to go here. Wow. So I, I metaphorically, if played in such a way, I will take out my six inch stilettos that I said were dug into the ground. <laughs> And I will simply make them soccer cleats. Love that it. Timeless to me can still be cut. I still think it serves little purpose, but I will give it its leeway if oh. that is the frame of reference and where this comes from. However, I think a lot of, and including my production, it was tongue in cheek. Sure. And it, 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 it's just, it's ha ha. Look, it's, it's a big guy in a dress. Right. Ha ha. Look. And so it's part of it. It's part of what you do. It's part of how you cast the show. Mm-hmm. But going forward from this, understanding I probably want to be part of this production in later years of my life. Sure. Like whether that involves me trying to audition for Corny, me trying to like choreograph or direct the show. I want to come at it from that perspective. Sure. 100%. So that could be fun. Uh, but so I just wanted to bring that up too. I love that. Totally. I am literally shook right now. Like I never... I never would have thought about that, that it's that there is a possibility that there is more substance in the spectacle than what people initially give it credit for. Yeah. And that's, oh, my God, like that. Yeah, I'm wow. I'm 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 shook. That's delightful. Thank you for sharing that yeah. with me. That was delightful. Yeah. I, I was. I was like, oh, what? Dang it. Why? Why did you have to, like, <laughs> change my world right now? Like, I was happy hating this song. But no, yeah, but I, but it also let me figure out why, because I go, because it doesn't feel real because it's always wow. like the joke and I don't want it to be the butt of the joke. I want it to be real. I, I love Edna. I love the character of Edna. I love it's played by a man being all woman. Yeah. I love that. But I love the idea more if it's a trans woman uh, who is who's actually a woman. End of story, period. You're a woman. That's so cool. You know? Like that would be fun. Yes. So, I love it. Well, beautiful. Okay. Where do we go from there? I you, okay. I can hear the bells. <gasps> yes. Oh, tell me. Yes. Okay. Okay. So I can hear the bells. Um, I never got it. However, when you were explaining it in our regular episode, yeah, I admit I never <laughs> kind of like you were never a teenage boy when we were talking about spring awakening. Right. I was never a teenage girl. Correct. I was never like that. And like, I probably always knew I was gay to begin with. So high school was a farce for me. So I just said, I'm, I'm not going to date. Sure. Dating was stupid. Sure. So that was just me like internalizing like, oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm in a small little 500 person school. There's no way I'm going to come out. So I'm just not going to date. And da, 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 da. And da, 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 da. I come at it from a like, oh, it's just so stupid. Right. But, um, when I've seen this perform, this particular song performed on stage, done well, it can be fine. But normally <laughs> it is all 
just as in most musicals or musical theater numbers, it's all very self-serving sure. to a degree sure. that I I don't find good. There's self-serving musical numbers in a lot of ways that I do find good. This yeah. one I don't. But there's something about its initial staging I'm not a, a fan of. Okay. I think I liked it more before I saw it on stage. And then when I saw it on stage, I suddenly went, oh, I this is no longer a number I get behind. Sure. And then being a part of it, um, being the Link Larkin that has to freeze and then go into all of the weirdness. And then in my production, it was not great staging. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know. There was something there's something also just very insincere that can come across in this song to me when not done well. So if done well, I will again eat my words. But until it's done well, I go. "Eh." Those six inch Eh. stilettos are dug straight in that ground. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, I can appreciate that, though, because, I mean, like, again, you're the the whole point of the show is that you have a an opinion that then you are free and able and welcome to change your mind should it, you know, decide sure. to change. Like I did. Like, like I, just, yes. I just did it with, you know, timeless to me. But you know what? That's <laughs> the beauty of what we do. And that's the beauty of why we talk about this is, you know, there we're, we're both coming at this from different perspectives and being able to offer that to one another or having other influences in our lives be able to give us that perspective that we may be missing um, is pretty amazing. And that's, that's the whole point of the show. It's kind of fabulous. How excited were you when this film 2007 film version came out and it was like this entire star studded cast. Yeah, it was huge. Like I, I kind of, now I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't, that I hadn't seen um, the source material before the 2007 film came out. Like I wish I had done it in the correct order because I think that like, you know, much, and then this is in my humble opinion, a lot of times um, if you're putting, if you're adapting a musical to a film, you pack the cast with with people that everybody knows because you want people to come see the movie, right? You want butts in seats. That's the whole point of this thing. But there's sometimes... I mean, this casting was actually was actually very strong. Like I was um, the 2007 version does have a lot of like really excellent people. But the problem is sometimes you can cast somebody that may not entirely embody the role in the correct way. So like not I'm I'm not dissing John Travolta even a little bit because like I do love him as an actor. However, seeing the source material and seeing Divine as Edna Turnblad literally was like she was just brilliant like it was like she was the right amount of 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 sass and then the right amount of camp but the right amount of serious and like having her like having divine be in dual roles and like being like a male character in portions of the film was wild like that was just I mean, like, you know, props to Divine for like just for the for the sheer acting prowess alone was like wicked cool to be able to embody those two different characters and to be, I mean, technically, quote, on screen or in the same scene at the same time. Um, But, you know, through the magic of filmmaking, like we can we can, you know, do that thing. Metaphorical hair flip. Um, But but like, you know, I think that it was um, the the cast of the 2007 film did very, very well. But I I do think that it was, you know, because I remember um, watching the um like the the search for Tracy Turnblad and they were doing a bunch of like they were going across the country and they were doing like inter or their interviews oh my god Mary auditions are you a theater kid 
Jesus. Anyway, they were doing auditions across the country to try to find a Tracy Turnblad. They found her and then they went into the cold stone that she worked at and they told her, you have this role. I remember that video. Right? So I, was, I legitimately remember that video. Uh, yeah. And, you know, as, you know, plus size girl who wants to be discovered, I was just like, oh my, can I just go work at a cold stone and then they'll discover me? Like, is that how this works? <laughs> no, it's not how this works. But I think that, um, you know, something that Tyler had actually said um, when we were watching the film earlier tonight making Amanda Bynes Penny was, I mean, she, she was a great Penny, but like, I think that it's interesting that the, the dynamic shift almost in that character specifically, because in the 1988 version, she seems very kind of like, she knows like that her parents are strict and that she knows kind of, you know, once she meets seaweed and like, she becomes a checkerboard check, she kind of knows what's going on. But before that, she just kind of seems very like, kind of like Luna Lovegood, just very like, oh, there's, here's, this is the world. This is what this is. And Amanda Bynes made her like almost sassy, like made her street smart kind of like, because, oh, yeah. because her mom is so. I think there is yes. a tone of that in the 88 film too. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's very, it's an underlying tone. Cause she doesn't want people to know that she knows maybe yeah. is like the thing. But, um, so yeah, the, all of that being said, I, you know, there are sometimes, you know, like a greatest showman is a perfect example. Like, I mean, Hugh Jackman, like, I mean, obviously people are going to come watch Hugh Jackman be in the greatest showman because it's Hugh Jackman. Anytime someone is like a huge Wolverine fan, I uh, will pull up the boy from Oz. Yes. And just like, I need you. I need you to watch Hugh Jackman dance around in like gold pants for a minute. <laughs> yes. And just, I need you to like tone it down a little bit oh god but we're imagining wolverine and gold pants okay. now and like who doesn't want wolverine and you know gold pants but so but yeah that i mean does that that doesn't answer your question even a little bit maybe it does i don't know it yeah well i mean so it's just like i like all of the literally all of the stars all the damn stars like just came out and I feel everyone was done really, really well. I can't think of a weak link no. in that cast. No. And it, I was biting my tongue so hard. Um, every time you would be like, Oh, I love uh, <laughs> Amber Von Tussle. We all love Brittany snow to <laughs> forever. Like pitch perfect. Amazing. Yes. But, but if you saw the 88 film and I did, she's a major capital c word oh a, a real see you next tuesday yes. because let's be real like i so i will recant my previous statement that i the, the i like britney snow's portrayal of amber von tussle because she makes it she makes her sassy and she makes her kind of kind of a little kind can i can i say can I say the word bitch? I don't know. You're going to bleep it out. Whatever. Uh, CW allows that word now oh. and when used in that context. So we're good. Excellent. Love that. I love that you're like my ratings man over here. This is delightful. Um, <laughs> but like, but Brittany Snow portrays it in a way that like she brings to the character this thing of like, she does kind of grow a little bit, but then at the end is when she just, you know, I mean, she always maintains kind of her, her terrible sour nature throughout, but like the 1988 yeah. Amber Von Oh my, I texted Steven in the middle of this movie and I was like, I want to punch this woman in the face because at the, at the, um, the record or at the, at the record hop that they do with corny, that corny yeah. hosts, um, the, Tracy is doing nothing to no one. Long, long Madison number that I said is uh, just like a 
killer. Yeah. Yes. It's so, it's such a, I mean, it's a low, don't get me wrong. I think that it's great to show that they're doing the thing and she's kind of auditioning and that's how she gets discovered. But like, you could have yeah. cut that in half and still gotten the same kind totally. of tone. But totally. like, they're dancing into, and, and Tracy's totally just minding her own business. And Amber Von Tussel turns around on her bow that she's dancing with and she just goes, whore and she like drags it out and poor tracy just looks crushed and i'm like if i if i were i'd punch that woman in the nose and be like "Uh uh-uh sis like are mm, oh i have feelings anyway but yes so amber von tussle Um, as a character sour and awful britney snow love her as a person so there's the there's the the separation of church and state (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah just i mean like major shout outs to like that whole cast though yeah, um, the 2007 film and i i think even speaking of like the way we talk about the 88 film i think the 88 film was a lot more grunge it was very john waters oh absolutely like lens and scope then we have to remember it was turned into a musical yes right correct so i i really feel the 2007 film hit that sort of stylized camp that you expect from musicals, which the stage show brought, which is what I said is my favorite part about all of Hairspray is that it's somewhat stylized in no matter what version you see it. But what the 2007 film did was combine the 88 film with all the nods to it and the musical and just blended it perfectly into this, but still made it its own story and yeah. took its own liberties. And I, I, even the things where you're like, oh, like Penny had her own sort of idea of who Penny was and yeah. you know, if she was street smart a little bit. Yeah, that's the 2007 film yeah. versus like what's on stage versus what's in 88. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really just think they did. And shout out to Nikki Blonsky out of all, I, uh. I'm just going to say, She's my favorite Tracy. She so, really is. I think she is pure, pure Tracy. Yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have I have a beautiful spot in my heart for Ricky Lake. But if Ricky Lake, if that were to have been a musical in 1988, I think that it w- it would have been different. But yes, for as far as the musical version of Tracy is concerned, Nikki Blotsky is just like, yes. Like she's, mm, 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 mm. that Cold Stone, they discovered her in a cold stone i was like yes so happy about it oh so good we are really running long but you know cool you know what that's okay that's okay this is just another (laughs) us chit chatting about hairspray (laughs) and it's amazing Uh, i really want all you so we talked a little bit about your now delight of the film was there anything about the film you hated besides amber von tussle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I kind of like John Waters uh, cameo, like prodding Tracy or right? not Tracy with Penny, Penny with an electrical like cow thing, trying but, to get her to like, no, you don't like black people. You don't <laughs> like black people poke, like, and she's just like, get away from me. And the fact that like John Waters is not her father, like he just shows up with the cattle prod and is like, like yeah, what the what, what the yeah. hell? It's fine. Um, okay, are there things, I mean, oh, God, um, Penny's mother is insane. I just, yeah. my God, she's just 
crazy. But again, like that's that's me saying that, but but knowing that that was in fact a reflection of the time, that was done correctly. So like I mean uh, to to a uh, okay, I'm going to back that statement up. That was incorrect. It was a a very exaggerated version of what happened in the day. So the portrayal of that in the campy way that the the actress did that was Penny's mom was great. I mean it was it it, it made me cringy and want to punch her cuz I'm like they're just people. Like what are you doing? Um, but to be honest, I don't think there's anything that I really didn't like about it. Um, I just, you know, of course our mute music man over here can attest that like there were multiple points. So I'm texting Steven during the movie, but I am also out loud yelling at the screen about how happy I am that certain things are going on. Right. Cause like there, I'm going to touch on it because Steven told me to watch for it. And there is a, there is a scene, um, that we've just left the, we've left the record hop at, um, Motormouth Maybell's record shop and it's seaweed and Penny and Link and Tracy and they're all kind of like running out of the record shop or no, no, it was, it wasn't the record shop. It was the, um, at the VFW where they were doing the record hop at the VFW. And so they're all out, but they're out in the alleyway and they're just all making out in the alleyway, just like hanging out, doing a thing. And it's just, and Tracy and Tracy like pulls back from link and goes, Oh link. Like I just, I just wish I were black. And then link goes, Oh, Tracy, our souls are black. <laughs> it doesn't matter the color of our skin. I'm just like, what is going on? And I <laughs> just... And then it pans to Penny and Seaweed, and then it's like them being like, no, go to second base or something. And it's so raunchy. And I'm right. like, oh no. But that the camera doesn't move at all. And we just see it. We see seaweed lean in like closest to camera in Penny's ear and go, oh yeah, girl. And I'm just like, now wait a minute. Where are his hands? Like somebody do a hand second check. Base. Like, okay, but what? Okay. But second base is like over the clothes. Like where are your hands? I don't think that was over the clothes. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. <laughs> No, no, sir. No, thank you, ma'am. I was like, wow. Isn't that right before they go into like, what is that hippie drug den? Yes. Or something? Let's get Where naked and smoke weed. And let's get naked. And yeah, I was like, oh no, but super fun. I don't and, know. Whatever. Oh, you go, John Waters. You go. Get on it. Like, let's just, I mean, John Waters is the kind of person that literally just like, he pushes the envelope to make people like, if, if you are watching a John Waters film and at, at a certain point you don't go, what the hell is going on? Then you're not really watching a John Waters film. You're just like, you're just in the room when it's happening, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but yes, there, oh God, there were so many things. You, and you had brought up this and what you would change earlier with is the sort of link being a little bit more right away on yeah, board. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, cause I kind of talked at length about it in our other episode. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it at all. Cause it's one of my favorite parts about having played link sure. is, his journey, his journey of story arc. And yeah. I think he's a palatable thing for an audience to watch go through that and say, maybe I can do that too. Sure. I think the 88 film version was probably more on about like how more people were feeling. Yeah. And I think it even says it in the film that they're like, segregation act is passed. Why are we still doing this? Yeah. And it's so it's, it's we're we're seeing the, the sort of growing pains of, you know, anti-segregation and the laws coming from it and how people are still not doing it, which, you know, to 
put on your mask and people are like, I don't want to. Right. Like it's my <sighs> right to not do that. But like, yeah. I would almost say that like the 1988, the original source material was very like realistic. So it was, it was the most, I guess, realistic quote, like scenario that you could have. And then at the musical um, takes that and kind of, um, makes it a little bit more exa- exaggerated, right? So, like, but it's 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 almost like it makes me think of um. There's a Dane Cook sketch that he talks about pantomiming driving, because like whenever you pantomime driving, it's very exaggerated movements, because this oh, is yeah. not as aesthetically pleasing to the eye, right? Little tiny movements. So mm-hmm. I think that that's the difference between the source material and then the the musical is the source material is very. I mean, Link could be going through that internally, but externally he's like, no, I'm supporting my girlfriend. No, I'm supporting this movement because I know that it's the right thing but that's not aesthetically pleasing to watch like the musical takes that internal struggle and makes it an external struggle so that we can identify with it and go oh my god I've done something similar to that so that's why it's it's more appealing for me because I'm like I identify yeah. your struggle and I get that that is real a lot of people get there I want songs in this you know that song that says oh this is the thing I'm going for and what I hope for by the end of the show yeah do you he gets one Theweed gets one yeah. like uh you know Motormouth essentially gets to have one um even sort of Velma Von Tussle with her you know she just wants her to be pretty with Miss Baltimore Crabs you know exactly. that whole thing exactly um but Link doesn't get that Link has his show number that he does on TV and he never really gets that I want moment of sure. musical theater. Sure. So he, he has to do that through scenes and yeah. through dialogue and in interactions. So absolutely. Oh, we talked about that carnival scene. <gasps> oh my in God. Film. <laughs> do you like how Link gets his kneecaps knocked out by a w- haggard old woman with a purse? Um, I, I literally, I watched that and I went, what like because I of course I texted Steven while I was watching this and I went wow Link's got some he's rocking some really good upper body strength and Tyler actually pointed this out to me I was like what well, if you got hit with a purse like why are you pretending like your legs don't work Ty's like think about it if she was at this rally she probably had bricks in her purse so if she had bricks in her purse and she's swinging it around she probably busted a kneecap or she broke something or fractured yeah, something she crutches the rest of the film yeah, uh, I mean, un- context with this by the way is just so listeners who maybe have not seen this film oh so. yes. The protest that Motormouth Babel and everyone is progressing towards along with Tracy is going towards this big Courtney Collins carnival that they're all having. Um, There's a huge protest outside. Meanwhile, the, you know, show is happening uh, between Amber and Tracy for the contest of Miss Teenage Hairspray. And uh, they, it all comes to bat when some random person on the, on the white side of it all, throw the cherry bomb and starts madness and mayhem. Yes, don't we love um, madness and mayhem? Everyone starts hitting everyone, and Link gets kneecapitated. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but I'm bump bump. I'm gonna give you that because that was um, actually that was pretty. That good. was actually kind of that was no, it's right off my old noggin. That was so good. Well, you know, Stephen, I think there's a big. I mean, the, we we're rapidly approaching my favorite segment, the the thing to to use the words of Miss Motormouth Maybell. Let's wrap this mother up. I think we need to go into our beautiful land, the 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 place where where all the dreams might come true or the nightmares might come to fruition. We don't know. We don't know how we're going to do that. But I but I think. Do you think it's time that we that we go there? It's time. We can journey there. To the magical land 
of What If. Oh, it's so pretty mm. here. What? What? So pretty. It's, what? It, there's, there's so many possibilities. I can't see it so bright. <laughs> okay, so in this magical land, what if Tracy actually was the one who fell in love with seaweed? <gasps> the stage version actually kind of allows for this to potentially happen. What? As opposed to letting Morgan. Wow. Oh, God, there are so many things that could happen with that. The good thing about the thing that I like about this kind of trajectory, if Tracy were to shift from from Link to Seaweed, is that I think that her her activism and the the pursuit of wanting to you know get television integrated to be able to be with her friends and do all those none of that would change i think i would argue that e- it, she might even double down and try to like like she would be more vocal than she already is in pursuit of this movement and but what i i don't know I don't know if it would... Mm, do I want to say that I don't think it would be as strong a storyline? <gasps> Is that a descending opinion? I don't know. I, uh, who? I'm going to have to think about it. <gasps> Continue with yours and I'll, I'll decide if it's dissenting. Tyler was hovering over the button. He's like, do I press I it? it? Is Stephen like, is he... <gasps> oh, Nate, oh. How dare you? <laughs> oh, Okay. I just love that sound. It's delightful. Um, but I think, Ooh, yeah. mm. I think it would be, I think it would be a strong story. I think it opens up link to have to find his own journey to correctness. Okay. On his own in a way. Okay. And find that inside himself as opposed to following Tracy's lead. So then a sub question then for that, what is, since you have, you know, obviously um, intimate knowledge of the character, if this were you and you were in Link's shoes, if Link does not go with Tracy, what is Link's trajectory? Like, where do you think he would go if he did not have this woman in his stead? The problem is the seeds been planted, right? Truth. So I see a world in this story where, him and Tracy potentially have potentially have something. Right. And therefore the feelings have been caught. Right. The, the seed has been planted sure. with that seed of doubt with Amber. Right. And um, I don't think that seed would go away because we've already talked about like, he's probably already knows that this is not correct. Sure. I, whether it happens within the time of this show, I don't know. Okay. But I think his overall person would eventually come to the side of right. And I think one could write it within the parameters of, you know, before the curtain closes. Sure. Um, I think. But then Penny, Penny's storyline becomes a little less necessary, except again, just to be the support of Tracy. Sure. But I I think it it sort of consolidates, but I think it could be just as interesting. So I'm not I think that's where our descent comes from. I think it could be just as interesting. Okay. 
it just needs a couple rewrites. Sure. I can live with that. I like that. Was was that it? Do we have another one? Or was that it? Was that our only I little sojourny? Because like the only other thing I can think of is like, what if, you know, Amber and Tracy like didn't despise each other completely. But I, I think that is honestly so integral to her opposition to getting on the show, which is sort of a, a hill she has to climb and, yeah. and why we initially tune into the show. Um, I think it needs to be more than she's just a plus sized girl. Like it, in for the time period, I think you need that person being the voice saying, no, you're not part one of us. So I think Amber's that person. Everybody likes a mean girl, no matter what time we're looking at. Right? Yeah, you just have one. You, you got to have, have a Regina George. You just got to have a Regina George you gotta. to be like, you and, or a Gretchen Wieners to go, you can't sit with us. You can't dance with us. That's not what we do here. It, this is fine. But I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, it, it would definitely, um, like, while I think it could be, inter- like, it could be interesting to kind of see where this story might lead if Amber and Tracy were essentially on the same team, I think that it, it um, again, the more, you know, aesthetically pleasing thing to watch is to see somebody, like, especially, like, looking in Tracy's, like, in Tracy's column, she's got a lot of different obstacles that she's trying to overcome, right? So not only is she a plus-size girl, but also now, you know, she's um, a an activist for for, um, you know, racial equality. She is, you know, catching feelings for, you know, somebody that everyone is like, you shouldn't, like, he's not going to be with you. Like, you don't look like the way you should. And like, you, you've got to have, for a protagonist like Tracy, you need to have some sort of opposition. And if she and Amber were friends, there's no other real opposition that she comes up against that's like a major player in the storyline. Because like she, I mean, she comes across people who are very, you know, like, um, you know, you shouldn't, like, don't speak up about this or whatever. Like, this is the way it is. And like, just leave it alone. But like, there's no real person that she goes toe to toe with except Amber. And Amber is there consistently throughout the entire show as that person bringing that opposition. And yeah, you want to see, an you yeah. do absolutely. And, and in order to really savor the victory of winning Miss Teenage Hairspray, you really have to see that she overcame a lot of different obstacles and it, it, uh, I dare I say that it makes the victory a little sweeter knowing that you went through, you know, not only taking the beautiful boy from, you know, your, your main antagonist villain, but that you also, you know, like broke down, um, every sort of boundary in regards to, you know, um, the, the racial integration, the, um, the social norms of like being, a you know, somebody who no one would think could keep up with dancers. Um, somebody that literally proved that it's like, it doesn't matter what you weigh. Like if you've got talent, talent outshines everything every time. So like talent will always win out over, or talent should, I guess, not will always, but like the, you know, the core, you know, golden idea of this is talent will always win outside yeah. of like looking I, I a certain exactly way. exactly what you're talking about. Thank, yeah. thank you. At least, you know, but, um, but well, yeah. I think everyone knows, like people right. will always go for the more tangible, yeah. the more open, the Absolutely. more accessible, like the Tracy in every way is more likable. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Amber. Yes. Because yes. Amber is all PR. She is all smoke and mirrors on a television show. And then you turn off that camera and it's a completely, complete 180. Yeah. On 
you have acne of the soul is the uh, is the line isn't that right or something oh uh, where she's yeah. like i've never been i've never been you know like cursed with like or i've never had that curse or whatever it is and then of course amber just like touches her face like also can we just take a side journey for a minute and what velma putting on these latex oh, to pop oh, oh gosh you got to watch the 88 film version. You just got to. You need to see it once in your life. You just got to. You just got to. You won't regret it. Anyway, well, I think this was a magical trip onto the magical mountain of what if. Let's descend. Oh, always gives me a head Lovely. rush getting... <laughs> okay, so for, I'm actually going to call this the larger than life minisode or the plus size minisode or something. Yes, plus size minisode. There are two things that we absolutely have to do. I'm actually going to like drop this one on you because <gasps> I was thinking about this after um, our episode. Drop and it on me. That I, I, I want you to talk about this because you've touched on this and I don't want to like put you on the spot. Oh, please How do. You, you talk about like, Tracy is a dream role for you. Yeah. You would love to be Tracy. Yes. Like what expand on that. Like expand on your journey of wanting to be this this role. Cause like I wish I could be a female so I could play Alphaba. Oh in yes. But I I wanna know this because I wanted to be Link Larkin so bad. So I wanna know more about this. I want to know more of your side of the story. Sure. So uh, the thing that draws me to Tracy the most is just her, the confidence that she seems to exude from moment one that you see her on screen or on stage. She just... She, to me, she shows exactly who she is. For, you don't. There's no smoke and mirrors like you have with Amber Von Tessel. You know exactly who Tracy Turnblad is from the moment she opens her mouth, and that is something that I have always aspired to have in my personal life. And I've never really found that way to be able to embrace that because, like, I have friends and I have family and and people who tell me things like, "Oh, you know, you're beautiful and you're fabulous and you're confident and you're strong," but. I don't know how to advocate for myself. I will advocate for other people all day long, but I don't know how to do it for me. Tracy knows how to advocate for herself from the moment that she walks on screen. And it's just, it's so, it's just so enticing to me. And then not only that, but to be able to um, like vocally be able to kind of uh, push myself into this range that I have they've only been like tiptoeing in right because like if it's in my chess register like i'll belt it all day long Tra a lot of tracy's songs are that way but there are some time like i can hear the bells she kind of gets up into that falsetto and i'm afraid of falsetto which is just like because like there have been so many voice lessons that i will go into that i'll crack i have you know of course all actors right have that breaking point yep. Um, although and all of it I just it's just it's just and it's right there and you can see the falsetto coming and you're like I can't hit that oh, trust me it takes two that end whole oh. run is in male falsetto oh, I God. was like chugging tea right before I walked on like yes. trust me I get it I get oh that. my god it's just wild but that's that that's I guess the reason why I would I would dig to play that role is because it it allows for um I mean, really, Tracy is kind of an idol for me only because of the fact that she, 
you know, unfortunately in, uh, you know, pretty much any era, women have always been told you need to look a certain way, you need to be a certain way, act a certain way. Tracy breaks every one of those norms. She says exactly what's on her mind. She knows what's right. She stands up for what she believes in. And she's not afraid to walk on and be like, you know what? I'm, I'm hot AF. Like if you don't like me, then that's your problem. And uh, that just that idea has been so enticing to me, and so I would latch on to her in a New York minute because she's just. Be, I think that would be so fun for you too. I know, like whether I have because, like you know, as an actor, you have to pull from sources that you know, internal things that you can equate to things your character is, has gone through, is yeah. going through. That's a dot. Absolutely. Um, but in the times that I've had to muster fake like i've never experienced this before so i actually have to act right <laughs> um i actually you know, have to act <laughs> those are the times like i take away from those characters like those bits and pieces sure. that i then i'm like oh i i did this for three months in rehearsal i can do this every day in my life yes absolutely you know i, I just need to do this like mm-hmm. just make that change take the director's note you know so it's a i think it would be a phenomenal experience for you and i would love for you to feel like you can walk through and gain have that natural confidence that i think the world sees in you you just don't see in yourself oh don't make me cry on a podcast steven i can't make you cry mary (laughs) just like one she's crying on a podcast she has roaches in her hair (laughs) (laughs) and then for her to come out in the dress from mr pinky that's got giant roaches on it stop i just i i literally died i was like did you like though that jerry stiller was dad and then is mr pinky in the 2007 film oh man it was other easter egg loved it so good anyway so i i was going to count that sort of as your insider yeah of this whole thing so i've decided i don't (laughs) because like i have so much malice towards the particular show i was in it was bad and for a lot of reasons and just thinking about like how I want to approach this. Cause I don't want like my actor friends that maybe are listening to this to be like, Oh my God, he's going to like drop my name. He's going to be like, <laughs> they're going to know who they're no, talking about. Steven won't do that. He won't do that. So I'm going to be classy. I'm going to try to keep it. I'm going to keep it to this singular story. But what I need everyone to understand is this show was not good. I also, this is also taboo. My, the director of the show has passed away since I have been there. I try not to speak ill of the dead. I do not. Um, But there is a thing. It was just known. The director always took the largest musical that was done on the season at this particular theater. And they were of an age where it could not, they could not handle it anymore they could mm-hmm. not handle like the 40 person cast and the scheduling and sure. the, all of the, all of the tiny details that you need to do when you direct a show sure. and it was just so much so there was so much to do so so much was falling through the cracks so it was up to everyone so it was like scrambling always just to try to get a show on its feet sure. and I, so it's everyone knows it everyone knew that and that was part of my malice with this show part of some of the sand falling through the cracks was not understanding what was needed for rehearsal. Sure. The story that I'm going to tell uh, is almost, it's a its a cautionary tale is what we'll call it Mm-mm. to any young actor who thinks they know better. Ah, oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, so me and pretty much all of my leads 
met one day after this and we're like, guys, this ain't good. Oh no. Guys, we need to rally. We need to figure this out and make this better. What is wrong? We literally like sat down and made a list of like, okay, we need to work on this. We're going to work on this on our own. We're going to figure out how to do this. We're going to slightly change this here. And he's not even going to notice that sort of thing. Um, But one thing that we just couldn't get over was our music director wasn't teaching anyone music. They were not teaching harmonies. They were not teaching anything. And in community theater, especially like, People have jobs. People have lives outside of this that they are dedicated to. So coming in and donating three to four hours an evening is hard enough to separate yourself from family and time in your personal life. You're giving up three months of your life, essentially. Sure. So coming in and knowing like this is not getting done was hard. And so as the show was trying to be slowly put together, we are no longer working with the pre-recorded disc soundtrack or whatever we are now just using rehearsal piano and trying to like make harmonies that wasn't happening um we literally tried to stage a coup (gasps) and get this music director replaced behind like everyone's back no yeah it was bad um wow had, had a little intervention with her and we're like hey this isn't working you know what you're doing and you know you're not doing it right There was, so here's the thing. I still in my heart have these feelings of like, no, what we were doing is correct and needed and necessary. Sure. Because, okay, I'll finish the story. They initially were like, fine, goodbye. Because I think they agreed. I think they completely were like, yeah, no, I know. However, (laughs) about half an hour later, storms back in to the theater. And meanwhile, we have like our backup person that was going to come in. Wow. But, but this is, again, this is like young 20 somethings thinking we, we know better. Right. Um, no, like this music director had the band together, had the people, had everything set up. If they got rid of, if we got rid of her, so mm-hmm. would they, they would have gone. We weren't thinking, we were just thinking we need to save this show. Right. And what is the weakest link right now that's making this show as bad as it can be was the music. Oh no. That was all all we did. So she came back in, she went and sat down with the executive director of the theater and was like, Hey, this just happened with all of the leads of the show. And it just became, so had a super secret meeting that took up like half of one rehearsal and they just had to sit us down and be like, what the hell? This isn't what community theater is. Wow. You don't understand. Like, even if it's a bad show, you're still part. And we're like, we are volunteers here. We don't need to do this. This is a show that is so near and dear to so many of our hearts. This isn't working. So it was almost sort of like a come to Jesus moment for all of us. Yes. We were young and dumb thinking we, we know better and we can make this change. However, us actually doing this thing made everyone rally and the music got better. It still wasn't great, Uh but it got better. Secretly, secretly, I say side, side, (laughs) we all did. We actually contacted one of the best sort of teachers of harmonies in that was known in the theater. And like the 12 of us got together Wow. And we created our own scheduled timeline backstage (gasps) to figure out when we were going to be like on the backstage mic 
actually singing the harmonies. I love that. So, so it was like, they get to keep what they're doing, but we get to feel good about making it better. The The whole thing was like, if we were in a professional setting, we all would have been fired and replaced like immediately. Right. But um, it was community theater and like, it was just kind of known whatever. But yeah, that's sort of my cautionary tale with this. That's how bad this entire production was just in its sure. like, it was turmoil and hard, hard, hard. It was hard from was the beginning. Just, it was just hard. And then, uh, remember me talking about, you can't stop the beat. Yes. And being like, it's so hard to breathe. There's no time to, um, th- this music director also sort of, uh, got her comeuppance with us. She decided to take, you can't stop the beat, maybe 20 more beats per minute. Oh my God, been. no. And no, so no, 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 not no. only were we, it was, so it was hard. It was already hard. Oh, so, Steven. Yeah. Well, and as the aforementioned other actor already couldn't breathe because they were a smoker. Right. Uh, was even harder. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, Steve, there is just tea spilled all over this floor. I mean, look at this. It's just all over the table. It's everywhere. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, it's just, yeah. So even, but here's the funny thing. Even me going through this horrible, horrible experience with a show, mm-hmm. still even living in my dream role of like, oh, I get to finally be Link Larkin. Like I have my list of five dream roles and got to check one off. Exactly. No, uh, I still love this show. I still freaking love this show. Yes. And even with this tainted, weird little memory, it's still beautiful. And once the show gets up and running, like all grossness is forgiven and you know, you feel good and yes. da, da, da. of course, but it, I will always love the show. I will always find a reason to go back to the show and it's just going to be in my heart for forever. So. Oh, what an excellent, what an excellent way to bring this episode to a close is to always have yes. a good place in your heart. And that's just amazing. And that, that kids brings us to the curtain call. This is the end of our show notes episode, our plus sized, larger than life uh, show notes episode. Uh, thank you to Steven for, for again, for joining me and doing this beautiful little thing that we do. Um, should we, yeah. sh- cause we teased the teaser last time. Teaser. Should we actually tell the people what it is should that we? we're going to talk about next uh, time? Yes. Okay, so as we stated, if Steven had the opportunity, if he was, so if he had a gun to his head and it was either you take two tickets to the show or you take a bullet, Steven would choose the bullet. The show. I, I realized I actually missed a complete dad joke with this. Oh, no. Bullets over Broadway. Isn't that a show? It is a show. Oh, my Bullets God. Bullets over Broadway. Can't, I can't believe I missed it. Hashtag Bullets over Broadway. But this anyway. show... As should anybody know, it it begins with a giant chandelier that makes its way down through the entire audience. Gerard Butler made this role something that everybody wanted to sleep with the weirdo that lives in the sewer. This is, in fact, we are going to be talking about Phantom of the Opera. So that will be our show for next time. And I'm so looking forward to just... Uh, having more dissenting opinions, more reasons for the music man to push the button. But I think that this was great. None none of these people can see my face right now. I'm literally just like, 
Yeah. Cool. He's making stank face. This is exactly what's happening right now. It's delightful. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's We're okay. going to get through it. And, you know, this is going to be good for me because I really, I, I say from the beginning, I try not to yuck people's yum. I'm going to try to find the good. Don't yuck the yum. I'm going to try to find yes. the good. I'm going to have a lot of opinions because this show is loved. It's loved. And not every show is for you. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. Because that's the whole point of the show. So Absolutely. I... I think that uh, I, again, want to thank everybody for listening. And thank you, Stephen, for being my fabulous co-host. And until next time, this has been, uh, we've been taking it from From the the top, top, a Wandering Unicorn production. So when do we get naked and do drugs?